and you are listening to A Little Too Quiet, the Ferndale Library podcast, brought to you by the Friends of the Ferndale Library. I'm Jeff Milo, and joining me on the podcast today is Christy Cooper, the author of I Was a Stripper Librarian, from cardigans to G-strings. This is the story of Christy Cooper's journey from graduate school, getting a degree in library science, and while that was happening in the daytime, in the nighttime, she had a job where she was, yes, a stripper. And we follow Christy from getting out of graduate school to navigating the job market and trying to find part-time work as a librarian. And she does find work, but none of her coworkers actually know about her other job, her secret life, her alternate identity, I guess you could say. On the surface, it seemed that being a librarian and a stripper are polar opposite jobs. But in practice, Christy found that they were not nearly as different as most people would think. Now, this is a very candid memoir, uh, a first-hand account, and Christy is telling us about what it was like to live in both worlds and why she made that decision to work as a stripper. But as the book goes along, as you'll hear in our conversation as well, while she addresses that it may or may not be very taboo, and in most cases it is taboo and not something we talk about, this was just another workplace And as her story unravels, it's able to remove some of the stigmas around sex workers. It's also able to remove the stigmas around the library profession. I think librarianship has definitely changed over the last 20 years, and Christie's stories here chart that progression. It's definitely changing. And through her unique experiences, Christie learned that librarians can gain a lot of insight about class struggle and privacy advocacy from sex workers. But this book is such a conversation starter on a lot of levels. The value of librarians destigmatizing sex work, standing up for librarians, standing up for sex workers, and just removing this sense of shame, I guess, about, you know, what what determines what is or what isn't respectable and what's respectable for a librarian. So this is such a great conversation. I am so glad Christy Cooper is here, and I'm so glad that she wrote this book. Here's our chat. I guess I wanted to start with this question, which you probably already said somewhere on social media, but it's just the general question of what it feels like to have this book be a a thing, be a done thing, a published real thing in the world because it's been on your mind for so long. And I wondered if you could talk about what it was about these stories that, or I guess what the word would be, would the word be that you were hesitant, that you were apprehensive, that you, you know, we, this book talks a lot about the stigma, stigmatization. Can you talk about what it feels like to have this book done now and what your emotions were leading up to it, whether it was anxiety or what have you? I know that's a huge question to start with. Yeah. Oh yes. I'd say there's, cause there's kind of two different answers. Yeah. I feel like definitely I mean, I was sitting around, and I, I think I talked about that in my intro, thinking about, you know, releasing it into the world and just kind of getting it done with, and that's the approach I essentially took by putting it up for pre-order. Right. So it's like everyone knows about it. I have to make it happen. And I would say, I mean, I just feel relieved. Mm-hmm. I think that I had, a, a you know, a good response overall. I think there were, th- there were the concerns of people just being weird about it, mad about it, even when I shared it in uh, like the ALA think tank group, yeah, 
um, and nothing but positive responses. And I mean, I'm sure there's people who had some negative thoughts or whatever, but at the very least, we're at a point now where they decided to keep those to themselves. Sure. sure. So there's this other thing that like the world being as vast as it is, you can't be the only stripper librarian. Oh yeah. And I've had other people reach out to me and tell me that they've done it too, or, you know, that they've done other kinds of sex work and they're in libraries now. Right. So this book can bring awareness to the state of the economy, the state of the job market, the state of the library job market. It can bring awareness to the stigmas around sex workers and so much more. Uh, was there one singular motivation to start writing this book uh, when it comes to all the different areas of awareness you can activate with it? Because it, it achieves all of that. Oh, thank you. Well, I don't know if there's a single motivation. I just I sort of felt compelled to get my story down. Mm-hmm. And I'm kind of glad I did it when I did do it because I feel like my memory, you know, things start slipping away. Like if I sat down and tried to write it now, it would, yeah. it would be harder to yeah. kind of remember everything. And even when I went back to reread and edit it, because um, I wrote it about about eight years ago now, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, yeah, that happened? <laughs> oh, really? You know, I just wasn't. <laughs> I'm like, I'm surprised. Because, you know, <laughs> interesting. Okay, Vega sounds vaguely familiar. So um, I think I wanted to get it down, and I think just kind of hanging on to it, like, well, this is a way to – everyone's always told me that it's something that they'd want to read when I've told them about it, too. Mm-hmm. And I think it almost became like stripping did itself. I just wanted to, like, I said, I'm going to do it. Right. I'm going to get it over with and I'm going to put it out there. Right. And I mean, it's, yeah, it's hard to pick one theme. And I think it's, I didn't intend so much for it to be about labor and kind of connecting labor issues, but I think it does do that um, in a lot of ways. Yeah. And I feel like it has resonated a lot with a lot of other like library people about what the job market looks like. But yeah, just, I think normalizing talking about sex work, because I think it, there's a class element to it. I think that once you're in the professional classes, if this is something you've done, you don't ever talk about it. Right. right. You know, you, you hide it away and that's like, and I, I felt very like worried about keeping it hidden, you know, in the, in the very beginning. And now, you know, yeah. as I've slowly come out to people over the years, I mean, it's just, it's just been easier. Yeah. There's a lot of moments in the book where you are very open about how you feel like you're living a, a Clark Kent situation, an alternate not an alternate identity, but you have to keep it secret as you're navigating your way in, into the, the library job market. But this is, again, this is such an eye-opening book for whatever anyone's preconceptions can be about sex workers, anyone who hasn't set foot inside of a strep- script club, and anyone who hasn't really set foot inside of a library in a long time. And, you know, this is, to a, to a degree, this is also just a good book for, for anyone out there who, because you know this as well as I do, a lot of folks will say, wait, you need a degree to be a librarian? There's, yeah. there's that whole thing. Oh, yeah. I had one review where somebody, you know, the, the point of his review was that he had been playing around with the idea of um, going back to school for library science. And he said that my book helped him, you know, finally accept that that wasn't a good idea. And I was like, oh, I'm sorry, man. <laughs> like, well, there's another- that was kind of like the final, like, it kind of helps him resolve that yeah. idea. I was like, oh. I think, and this is another thing that's so good about this book is that obviously this is a book that requires you to be very candid, very open, you know, very vulnerable. You're There's a lot of times where you're almost just having like a frank conversation directly to the reader and you're just spilling the beans. And a lot of the cool parts that I liked was there's, I guess in the intro and toward the end, 
you're kind of open about, okay, well, yes, I went to this big school and I went over to another state and that was my decision at the time, but maybe I could have done this. Maybe I could have done that. Maybe there are other options. Uh, you know, everyone's life path is so unique and we always get to a point point we look back and say, oh, I could have done at least three other things differently. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just another whole facet of this book is that how honest you were throughout, throughout the whole thing. And I just also wonder how difficult that was for you. And if you realized early on that you had to be literally as open as possible. And I guess what that was like for you as a writer. See, I feel like that's interesting. So I feel like I could have been more open okay. and I probably still held back a little bit, you know, and I, I got as open as I was able to feel comfortable with. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Cause I, you know, I even had some comments. I should have gotten deeper into how I felt. And I'm like, that's, but yeah, I think maybe too, the, the passage of time yeah. makes it easier as well. I think coming out with this story, if I did it like a year later, it would have been, that would have, yeah, that would have felt way too soon. And I also sure. feel like having the time to look back and kind of, you know, evaluate things through, you know, the lens of time makes a big difference as well. Because even when I went back to edit my like eight year old manuscript, you know, there's this a lot I changed just because I looked at it a little differently at this point in my life. Sure. 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 There's a moment, a scene from your history in a dressing room. I think it's in a dressing room where a, a fellow dancer is providing you lots of encouragement and even explicitly prophesizing that you're going to write a book one day. Can you recall when and how that proposition went from no way to maybe to, oh, yes. Okay. It must have been really slow because I do remember thinking like, that's no way. I wouldn't do that. That's <laughs> not. That's, that's that, you know, thanks for thinking I could. But like, yeah, because I at that point I was still so married to the idea that I had to keep the worlds completely separate and hide that I did this. I think, yeah, I think it was just slowly over time. Mm-hmm. And I, I, you know, once I had outlined it, obviously I was just going to start it and see if I could get it down. Sure. So. sure. Sure. And that's a whole other portion of the first half of this book is just these, the variety of different relationships you can establish in that dressing room, the variety of different people that you meet who are your coworkers, the variety of different people you meet in the strip club. And did you realize while you were let's say you're working one night shift in a club, were you realizing even in the moment, because obviously in hindsight you can put it in the page, but were you realizing in the moment that there was this at least faint similarity of meeting people from all walks of life in the strip club and meeting people from all walks of life in a library setting, just in terms of what kind of social mode you kind of get into? You know, I don't think that was obvious at first. I think over time kind of, because in it I'm kind of adjusting to both worlds. And I even, I even went into the library, initially went into libraries thinking I wanted to do academic libraries. I think working in a, like a really kind of dull academic library and seeing other people who were planning in my program, planning on going into public libraries, and I just sort of began to, I, I was interested in the wider variety of like human needs and experiences, especially outside of academia where you're just, I mean, you're ultimately supporting people who, with more privilege who are already at a university or a college. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I felt like that was something I wanted to do. I wanted to work with people who had greater, like greater information needs and people I could feel like I was helping more. Right. Beyond like just how to, you know, trying to find some article they're having trouble finding or something, the research. That is another area in which this book was an eye opener for me because that was somehow a phrase that didn't come into to my periphery, the information needs. And there's, 
there's a moment in the book where you are participating in a study that's finding the uh, maybe you could tell us about it, the information needs of actual prostitutes, but you are actually involved and you go to a conference. Can you talk about that, that experience and did it feel like a turning point for you where you started to get more, I guess, passionate about this subject? Yeah, I think so. And I didn't so much. I didn't work on that. That study, um, the professor I met had, um, and that's where Mike, my roommate came in and, you know, connected us. And I think that, yeah, going to the conference was very, um, and just being able to connect with other, you know, sex workers who were also activists. And that's why they were, you know, that's why they were at the conference and they were trying to change the narrative where like not all sex workers are victims, you know, like these were, that's not always the way we should be looking at it because there's a lot of social workers there. And I think meeting those, those women and like learning their stories was, was really powerful Mm -hmm. because people weren't, you know, I wasn't meeting other activists in the strip club. So Mm -hmm. that, right. That stigma about sex workers, there's a stigma about librarians that they might be shy, that they might be pushovers, which isn't the case uh, when it comes to the saga of Westland, which is actually something we've talked on this podcast before. Oh, really? Well, everyone in Michigan knows about the saga of Westland. Right. Can you talk about that moment, I guess, when you got involved with the Westland saga and maybe give us some context of that Westland saga if you want to recontextualize it. But that seems like libraries are not pushovers. It really feels like this intense response was there, uh, a forceful response, really inspiring response to to the uh, to just I guess the the disregard of of library workers. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, it, you know, I never intended to, for, for anything like that to happen. I just remember finding out that suddenly, you know, five librarians been fired. I it had been five years since I'd worked there, and I had left because I'd given up on the administration. Mm-hmm. Essentially, I, I told them that I was leaving to go take care of my um, newborn, right? Which was only part of it. I just also there was no flexibility there. I'd had my maternity leave changed on me in the middle of it because I thought I had like a gentleman's agreement or whatever. And yeah, it just, cause, cause I could. And so when I found out the five librarians got fired for you, um, for unionizing, or I mean, they didn't claim admit that it was for unionizing, but they all happened to be the five main organizers for the union. Like what a coincidence. Right. And I think myself and a bunch of other former library, like library workers at Westland, came to the next board meeting because we were we were just pissed off mm-hmm. and Katie one of the librarians asked me to 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 live stream it so her parents could watch from home and I was like yeah sure, sure I'll, I'll live stream it and since it ended up coming from my account and I you know and I told them off in my public comment as well yeah it was bizarre because it started it got shared everywhere and it ended up like having like 17,000 views a library board meeting on on Facebook live of all things mm-hmm. And I knew someone else who had shared the link to the live stream on to on the University of Michigan School of Information's student listserv. And I was like, we were trying to stop people from t- from taking essentially the scab positions. And so I was like, why not just share it on Mishlib? So I shared it on Mishlib myself because I'm like, I also wasn't working in libraries at the time. I felt like I didn't have to worry about professional repercussions. The board president responded you know, in such an insulting way where, you know, suggesting I don't know anything. The library board knows what's best. And, um, you know, he's very happy for me to, you know, basically have found my role to take care of 
um, my children as a woman should. You know, he he didn't say it that way, but it, essentially, he actually upset more, he uh, pissed more people off. And so when I responded to take the conversation to my personal Facebook page, a bunch of librarians sent me friend friend requests and started um, kind of following the Westland saga. So what I think is most in- interesting about that, looking back, is like he helped organize like the Michigan Library World against himself. You know, <laughs> sometimes. And since then, I'm having gotten involved in other types of library campaigns um, where you're often dealing with like, you know, a megalomaniac on a library board. Um, Mm -hmm. You sometimes those people letting them just say whatever they're going to say just actively helps organize people around you to get, you know, (laughs) especially if you share it and make sure people know that they've said that. The tricky situation because, you know, library boards usually... 99% 99% of them are not library workers or librarians. Sometimes there's former librarians mm-hmm. on a library board. But, and uh, this is, and I really love that you embrace this title, Library Vigilante, uh, because it's proving that we really need folks who will rally for library workers, librarians. I think, wasn't part of that Westland saga that they just thought they would, they would replace those five positions with folks with not even not even holding library degrees so that it brings it back to that that misconception there's misconceptions about the library world the misconceptions about sex workers both need vigilantes so here we are with this book so yeah i think when i came up with i was trying to describe what i was doing and you know there wasn't really other examples of it at the time and i feel professionally people some people were skeptical of it like they don't they didn't think it was necessary to go as hard as I did, but it worked. Mm-hmm. Like it worked. That's what worked. And I, and I, and I think that I've seen as time has gone on, people who were maybe even like afraid of me, never having met me, assuming I'm always a fighting person, especially directors, which is unfortunate. Cause I go out of my, when I meet a director, I got my way to introduce myself and show them I'm a normal friendly person. <laughs> and having been back in libraries, which I won't say, I'm not saying on any of my um, publicity stuff, which library I work at and keeping that, but I think that helps too. Like I, I am a normal librarian. I'm just a fighting, fighting one if necessary. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that more people have seen that like asking politely or just, it doesn't work. You, mm-hmm. you need to learn the tactics of direct action and community organizing. Mm-hmm. I probably should ask this question earlier, but it's something I've been, I think I, I think I saw it somewhere on, on Goodreads and, and maybe it's something you've already heard now that you've, uh, now that it's out there that you were, that you worked as a stripper, uh, folks would say things like, but, but Christy, isn't that a dangerous lifestyle? Isn't that dangerous? And so, you know, what, yeah, what's your I thought on I, that? It's, it's interesting. Cause I had some, um, you know, are you okay? That's dangerous. Oh no, I don't know. You no, know, you know. I think it's interesting. I had some reviews where it's like, I clearly did not. I mean, I, I guess I clearly didn't show that it wasn't as dangerous as people think for some people but i think if you're coming into it with preconceived notions that's going to be harder to to make that case right you know or that it's not always it's not perfect it's not the best job ever there's also a lot of other jobs that are really crappy sorry when i think about like the like like the moral hierarchy of jobs right i never really felt like i was in danger in it in any way like i think i even talked about um at one point i had this bouncer that you know was so grumbly and i always wondered like well if something happens would he even do anything and he did he did i he i had some uh some creeper try to stick his hand in my thong and i was just standing at the bar talking to him and i took his hand slapped it on the bar and at that point i realized that i had someone being obnoxious like that 
you know, I, I'll deal with it later because I need to go like keep in the right mindset to keep making money. Yeah. But he, my, uh, my bouncer saw that he came over. He's like, is that what I thought I saw? I'm like, yeah. And then he just went and kicked the guy out. And so despite the fact that he was the only bouncer, I was like, will he ever do anything? He's just so grumpy all the time. And he's mad that we don't tip him out enough. And no, he did. So Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it wasn't, it's not to say that it couldn't be a dangerous environment depending on like who you work with maybe, but I didn't really have those kinds of concerns. And I had, I mean, I generally had good relationships with my bouncers too, you know, except for him. (laughs) But yeah, it's, it's a workplace. It is a workplace. And then I have a, I have a hopefully not too cheesy question to ask you. This takes us back to college days, to graduate school, to, you know, to Christy wants to be a librarian one day era. You had to, I guess, go back to that mindset of, you know, what made you want to be a librarian Initially, as you say in the beginning, you wanted to go into academic libraries. Can you still relate to to that to that Christie to what that Christie's conceptions about what a library would be like? Based on now, what I'm really getting is what you appreciate most now about having worked in libraries. What you appreciate, I guess, in general about being a librarian, and it, whether or not that tracks at all with what your conceptions of it were way back when. Um, I think it's hard to say what my conceptions were mm-hmm. exactly. I think I the only things I regret about choosing um, librarianship is just job prospects. You know, I mean, otherwise, I like I like the work. I like what you can, you know, the kind of work you do at a library. You have a wide variety of different things that you do. And I'll say, even now, I I don't really go into detail about what my work like life was like at Westland, but I. It was the kind of the wild wild west, but I could do anything I wanted. <laughs> you know, I could do, and I really liked that. And I yeah. could create things, and and no one would stop me. And I feel like I learned a lot about like project management. And so I'm almost like working at like an under resourced library more. There's just more you can do. Mm-hmm. There's more more possibilities, I guess. Mm-hmm. And I still one thing I think that still keeps me attached to libraries is just the possibilities of what we could still do. You know, just as like a you could take all the different society institutions and what's working versus what isn't. And I think libraries are something that are definitely working, but maybe we could expand upon conceptually in some way. Yeah. Um, just because, it, you know, it's one of the few places where you can go for free and just hang out and just have access to all of those things. Right. And maybe we could have even more things. Right. I don't know. But it still has, it still has this like underdog status because we are always in that uphill situation of folks not thinking you need the degree, folks not taking the job seriously, uh, library boards, and you know, so it, the more our communities can get excited about librarians and their libraries, I guess the more support we could have. I, I yeah. wholeheartedly agree yeah. that it has to expand, but it's always an uphill battle. It's like- And I think kind of harnessing kind of that youthful energy right now that's going into questioning everything and just being like, you know, harnessing some of that for some library cheerleaders. And I think most of those kids are easy to, to convince and maybe hopefully as they, they grow maybe become a little bit more, you know, figure out kind of ways to more concretely support what they, what they believe in, you know, focusing on libraries. Yeah. Um, And I just think it's interesting, like the way the, the li- you know, just the way the library profession is even evolving. I think that even, you know, five years ago, you know, saying you're like an anti-capitalist was, was 
was too it was a little it was a little too subversive and now it, like it's all over libraries right so right right we're ultimately not doing the work of upholding the interests of the ruling class okay i'll, I'll stop getting uh, that <laughs> i was gonna say like to also expand upon that a little more is that i see there are more and more library professionals who either already hold or are pursuing degrees in social work because mm -hmm. those boundaries blur when you're in a library yeah. setting, which is another important conversation to have. And I, I feel, I, I feel like I see most of the discourse on that. Like we're not social workers. We're not social workers. Right. And I, and I understand job scope and all of that, but I think learning those skills is, is, is what's going to be important. This is libraries are evolving to be needed in more and more ways. So whether it's hiring social workers or expanding your own comfort with helping people, like I recently did like some webinars on uh, trauma-informed librarianship, and I thought they were really helpful to kind of think about when someone's coming at you who, you know, you might think, wow, this person's kind of a jerk, like trying to step back and understand why they may be behaving that way, mm -hmm. you know, and just remembering it's not about you, it's about their life experiences and a bunch of things that have happened in their life that you have no idea Absolutely. So. Absolutely. I always say that that quote that I always badly paraphrase about appreciating someone else who is fighting a battle that you'll never know. I ne Working in libraries drove that home to me um, wholeheartedly. So, well, I'm so glad this book exists because obviously just from our interview here in general, it spurs so many conversations and opens eyes on so many subjects. So I, I, I think I just got to say thank you for writing it because I know it took you know, a few degrees of uh, courage and gumption to get it out there. And I'm just so glad it's here because it can start so many conversations. No, thank so, you. Yeah. yeah, I just had to figure out how to market it more, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Chrissy, this has been great. Thanks so much for coming in and chatting with us. Yeah, thank you for having me on. And that was our chat with Christy Cooper. She is the author of I Was a Stripper Librarian, and she is a librarian, also a single mom, also a writer. There's uh, more if you want to find out more about this book. You can go to christycooper.com, and hopefully your local library maybe picks up a copy to circulate. I know that Ferndale has. So once again, thanks to Christy Cooper, and thank you to you for listening to this episode. A Little Too Quiet is the Ferndale Library podcast brought to you by the Friends of the Ferndale Library. If you want to support this podcast, you can go to ferndalefriends.org. The music at the start and end of all of these episodes is by a local musician known as Zunset. And if you are out there and you enjoyed this episode a lot, maybe share it to social media or just share it with a friend. And if you are on iTunes, maybe like us or give us a comment. We always love to find new listeners. We will be back next week with more. Thanks again for listening. Mm -hmm.